What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another edition of the Jays for Days podcast. I'm Josh. He's Josh. We got Jays Jumpers, Jaron Jackson Jr., John Morantz, Joe Johnson's Jaw Raps, of course. We've got Jays. We got him for days. Josh, how you doing? Is it just me or going through for our exercise we're going to do in this podcast? Did you also feel like this is the first time in a while, at least, where there's just no clear number one or top two teams in the country? Everybody sucks. Everybody. Nobody's good. Nobody's good. Yeah, there are all these – there's just nobody I feel really good about, whether it's Baylor, whether it's Gonzaga, going back, you know, that North Carolina team. I just feel like there's usually – not necessarily that that team is going to win the national championship, but there are teams you feel really good about heading into the second half of the season that have kind of separated themselves where you know those are the the favorites. You know, a Duke, a North Carolina, uh, Kansas, you know, two of the past three seasons, arguably, Mm -hmm. Virginia – on occasion, I just feel like there's usually a team or two, and I don't feel like we have one. So you agree with me? Yeah, they're they're all bad. They all have glaring holes. So yeah, I, I'm I'm you're spot on. Which is going to make this tournament awesome. I'm starting to get really excited because I just have no no clue, and there's I nobody mean, I feel like is you know a lock to at least make the Sweet Sixteen kind of thing. Either that, or I mean, I wouldn't go that far. All five of these teams I would consider locks to go to the Sweet Sixteen. Okay. I mean, you're telling me that you don't think you don't you don't think there's a single team in the country that you have a, as that you would consider a lock to win two tournament games against a 16 seed and a nine seed. I mean, I feel pretty. Purdue's won multiple NCAA tournament games every year that there's been a tournament, except one since like 2016. You don't think <laughs> if, that team can get to the 19 and one Boilermakers can't get to the Sweet 16? If not I was sure going to, if I, if you were asking me about a team I was confident to make the Sweet 16, that was going to be my answer. I do feel pretty good about it. I feel less confident than I'll. Well, no, that's not true. Yeah, it's just kind of it's just kind of strange that there are there, right there are these teams that you okay maybe you lose one of them, but you expect them all to be factors and. You could talk yourself into three, four teams being, you know, among the favorites to win the national title. And this, I just, I just feel like the gap between one and 10 is not all that large this season. That's fair. Um, We'll get to our five national title contenders here in a moment. But first, it's Monday, winners and losers. What you got, winner? I have, I'll save my honorary mention for the end. My winner is Indiana. Okay. It's. It's not been going well. We've been talking about that. So I felt it was only fair to acknowledge when it is going much better. Mm -hmm. So they beat Illinois on the road. Do you know who the last team they beat on the road was before that? Um, uh, Xavier. Correct. November 18th. Yeah. The road struggles have been real. And then follow that up with a win against Michigan State at home. Defense was much better, giving up fewer than 50, 70 points in both games. It's not like everybody's back. You're still missing key pieces, but the performances were much, much better. And in large part to Trace Jackson Davis, who just decided he was going to go 35-9-5-3 against Illinois and 31-15-4-5 against Michigan State. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no big deal. But a team that was definitely trending in the wrong direction, starting to put NCAA tournament hopes in jeopardy and kind of we need to actually make sure we get enough wins to put ourselves in position, not just sort of 
hang in there until we get some players back, hopefully. Now they're in a much, much better position as they try and navigate life without Xavier Johnson and Race Thompson and then ultimately try and get themselves primed for a postseason run, hoping that they can get those two guys back eventually. So they're my winner. Yeah, they're my winner too. Um, you know, just for what it's worth, he also had 12, uh, 18 and 12 against Wisconsin. So it's not like he... Well, he had added another double double there. Um, for what it's worth, Race Thompson he played four minutes against against Michigan State, so he did get back on the floor. Of course, that's not actually the impact that you're looking for from Race Thompson. Of course, so so technically he's back, but he's not really back yet. Yeah. You don't have Xavier Johnson, um, but they they found a way to to get right shorthanded. And that's mm-hmm. that's a credit to right Trace Trace, Trace Jackson Davis has been spectacular, um, and the other part of this is that they're they're back to four and four in Big Ten play. They're only a game out of second place. Second place, is, you know, five and three gets you a tie for second place right now in the Big Ten. I mean, the Boilermakers are two and a half games ahead <laughs> of the rest of the conference already. They Charleston and someone else, I think, uh, you know, share the largest lead in their respective conferences. Um, two and a half game lead there, but you know, someone's got to finish second in the conference and Indiana put themselves back into the conversation. Now, maybe that ends up, that conversation still ends up being, you know, 11 and nine, 12 and eight. So that I don't expect that record there to be, to blow me away, maybe a little better than that 13 and seven, but they put themselves back in the conversation there um, against teams that right. Maybe not. I mean, they're certainly, those teams are certainly in the top half of the big 10 other than Purdue. There doesn't seem to be a team that's all that scary in the big 10, but in terms of what the big 10 has to offer at this point in the season, it doesn't get much more difficult than Michigan, than Wisconsin, Illinois, Michigan state in the three game stretch. Right, doesn't get that much difficult. Yeah. More difficult. I mean, they play Ohio State, Maryland, and Purdue, and then followed by Rutgers. Like that's probably yeah, that's, that's all. That's difficult definitely more difficult. But in large um, part because Purdue is included in that. Right. Um. So they put themselves back in the conversation without having to get healthy before they did it. Uh, Tamar Bates and Trey Galloway were spectacular against Michigan State. Uh, they, along with Trace Jackson Davis, were responsible for like, I think it was 65, 66 of the team's 82 points. So as long as if Trace Jackson Davis is playing like that, if you get something else from yeah. from two players, um, you're going to put yourself in a position to win to win basketball games. So um, as much as we've laid it on Indiana at times this season, they uh, I think they deserved over after their last nine days. To, uh, to to get the nod this week. Who's your loser? So my, I want to, can I throw my honorary mention out there as well? Oh, yeah. Go for it. Oklahoma State Cowboys. 16-point mm-hmm. win at home against Oklahoma, and then beat Iowa State at home by two, snapped a three-game losing streak back to 500 in conference play. This was my – Indiana just – I thought it was too important of a week in terms of the trajectory of their season to not give them my winner, but from a – purely NCAA tournament standpoint, I would argue Oklahoma State had the most important, most successful week of any team in the country. And ter- getting back into, you know, closer to the right side of that conversation, turning their resume around so that you're talking about them differently from an NCAA tournament, can they get in standpoint? 
than way differently now than seven days ago. And of course, you got a, a really nice win over Iowa State, which part of the battle of the Big 12 is you got to beat the teams you're supposed to at home and you got to find a way to beat the Kansas, the Iowa States, the Kansas States of the world, or you're already, you know, looking at six conference losses or something like that without even having to go face, we'll say Texas Tech. I mean, I know they're having a bad season or, you know, Oklahoma, whoever it might be, West Virginia on the road or something, a game you could easily lose as well. So getting one of those wins against the top, top part of that conference. Shout out Mike Boynton. Yeah, I mean, they did the thing you need to do against Iowa State to beat them when Iowa State's on the road, and that's score 60 points because Iowa State has been atrocious offensively on the road this season. I mean, when you look at their losses away from the Hilton Coliseum, it's a 53-point performance against UConn and a neutral. It's a 56-point performance and a 19-point loss to Iowa. It's a 60-point performance on the road at Kansas and a 59-point performance on the road against Oklahoma State. So if you beat, if you get to 60 against Iowa State, you're going to have a chance to beat them uh, if you're not playing them at Hilton Coliseum. Um, they found a way to do that, and they got the win. Yeah. You're a loser. My loser, Arizona State. Okay. 12-point loss at home to UCLA, 8-point loss at home to USC. Didn't score 70 points in either game. Turnover is a big part of the reason why against UCLA, USC, it was just a bad shooting night. We kind of have been continuing to talk about this, that the wins kept coming. And now you're in Pac-12 play where there are a bunch of winnable games. And Arizona State, we're keeping it up. And then the level of competition increased here and did not go so well. So not the end of the world, but again, a team that, right, you're talking about them from an NCAA tournament resume standpoint differently and you only have so many opportunities to get quality wins like UCLA in the Pac-12 and you missed an opportunity at home so not catastrophic I was having a little bit more of a the winners to me were pretty easy to find the loser was a little bit more difficult but Arizona State stood out yeah I mean I'm not convinced Arizona State's a good basketball team haven't been all year so from that standpoint I'm not surprised right that they lost these games I'm Losing both games at home is is really tough. I mean, now they get to go play on the road twice. Granted, it's to to not great. Oh, I mean, Washington State is fine, but Washington isn't great. Um, you know, you get those two games away from home, and yeah, I mean, we're still looking at a team that their best win this season is, I guess, Michigan on a neutral. I guess Creighton, Creighton. on a neutral when you. In a game, I believe that didn't include Ryan Kalkbrenner. I it think you're not. right. Yeah, it did not. Um, so you know, a barn door could have beaten Creighton without Ryan Kalkbrenner. So, um, I mean, that helps that you got them without Ryan Kalkbrenner, and it's still a win that goes on your resume. But I'm, um, I still don't think Bobby Hurley's a good basketball coach. I still don't think he gets the most out of his teams. And when they play good teams, they lose. That's just what happens. It's kind of. Oh, I thought that Bobby Hurley, the like, oh my goodness, the Hurley brothers are like Dan Hurley and Bobby Hurley are not equal. Like, I, I don't understand the the hype around Arizona State at any point until they beat good basketball teams, respectfully. So um, I thought that was pretty on brand this week. And, this, and it's kind of strange because usually they have that winner to that gets everybody excited, right? I remember the one time, I think they beat Kansas or lost to him in overtime or something. Mm-hmm. That one season where they had that run to, I think they got up to number one in the country. I they always they seem to have that, that one signature win that kind of 
rallies all the momentum. This mm-hmm. season's a little bit different where they've been more consistent, but right, don't have those high end, high quality wins. It's been more of just beating the teams they're supposed to. And yeah, you know, beating a, a good, not great Michigan team, a creating team without Ryan Kalkbrenner. So stepped up the competition level a little bit and did not go. I'm not surprised that this is what happened. It's just, we would be having a different conversation about Arizona state if this week would have gone differently. And if Dan Hurley was, I mean, that's why we've, anybody has talked about Arizona state because they're like, Ooh, let's talk about how the Hurley brothers are, you know, 22 and one combined. Mm-hmm. I just it, did, it did kind of work. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they both, they both started. I hadn't really thought about it that way, but yeah, the Hurley brothers were doing some damage Bobby, there for a while. If his name was Bobby Smith, no one would care that Arizona state was, 11 and one in their first 12 games with a loss to Texas Southern. Like nobody would care, but his last name's Hurley and UConn was the talk of the town um, for the first, for a good month in the middle of the season at this point. So um, that's a good one though. At some point you got to win basketball games. If you want to, I mean, before this week they were 15 and three and just barely inside the top 50 at Kempom. Um, so step back, they they dropped five five spots, and they're uh, they're six and three now in conference play. The loser is Kansas. Yeah, that would have been a good one. OT lost to Kansas State, <laughs> and then the second worst loss at Fog Allen in the Bill Self era. Um, I, I'm 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 less interested in the losses specifically, just because it's Kansas State and TCU. Um, I mean, I, I, I like to harp on how Bill Self finds a way to never lose two straight in conference play. And that did happen. So I guess that's concerning, but I don't really care. The point I want to get at is this week, Jalen Wilson had 68 points on 23 or 46 from the field. The rest yep. of Kansas was 26 of 73 from the field this week. Yep. You should never, ever lose a basketball game when a player on your team scores 30. You should just never lose that game there aren't enough points scored in college basketball for you to ever lose games like that. Um, especially when you're Kansas and, and that's what happened. Um, only three players converted more than two field goals against Kansas state, including Jalen Wilson, only three players, including Jalen Wilson made more than one field goal against TCU. So that ain't great. Um, I mean, foreshadow, Kansas is still on my list of five national title contenders because they would have been seven days ago and losing games, a couple of games to the other best teams in the Big 12 when your name is still Kansas and you still have Bill Self. Um, I went with a little bit of a, they would have been there seven days ago. These kind of weeks happen. It's just kind of is what it is. So foreshadowing a little bit there. But it it is a little concerning, and it's tough to swallow that your best player just had an incredible week and you lost both games. That's just tough to swallow. Yeah, I I didn't even really consider Kansas as my loser just because I'm not over – I don't think the sky is falling. I'm not – Neither do I. You know, they were a one – okay, maybe they dropped off the one-seat line for now. Mm-hmm. And can very right if they do what they're supposed to, they could and win the Big Twelve tournament. They're still probably ending up as a number one seed, even if they don't win the conference. So, from an NCAA tournament standpoint, what do you say? I said there's certainly a path. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Obviously, you got to 
you got to stop the bleeding here. And, you know, they've got another difficult game coming up. I believe they're at Baylor tonight. Yeah, at Baylor, at Kentucky, home against Kansas State, at <laughs> Iowa State, home against Texas is their next five. Well, geez. Yeah, so yeah. you got to find a way to navigate that or else and, this and, could get real interesting. And then you get a breather, and then your breather in the Big 12 is playing two top 40 Kempom teams on the road in Oklahoma, yeah. and Oklahoma State. Yeah. Welcome to the show. Yeah. The bigger concern for me is the same thing we talked about the Kansas after the Kansas State game, the same thing you just brought up again. When you're so reliant on three players and one or two of them shows up and Dewan Harris is giving you nothing offensively and Kevin McCuller is giving you nothing offensively, you're in big trouble in the Big 12. TCU can expose you and you can lose in overtime to Kansas State, no matter how good you are defensively. And of course, those are two of the best teams in the best conference in the country. But like you said, you can lose at Oklahoma, lose at Oklahoma State, having that thing happen again. Mm-hmm. They have got to find a, I mean, part of it is, you know, you need to shoot the ball better, but they have got to find a way to get these guys going again outside of, and I think KJ Adams is going to be fine. He yeah, and probably I think, over. I think KJ Adams had like in the second game was like six of six from the field for like sixteen points. Like he, he was, like there yeah. were some good, some decent performances. It just was kind of few and far between. Yeah, and you know he had that stretch where he was probably overperforming a little bit. So then he kind of came mm-hmm. back to earth, and it'll even out, and he'll be what you expect KJ Adams to be this season. Yeah. That's still only two guys, though, right? This was working because Dewan Harris was playing really well and contributing some points. Kevin McCuller was giving you 12 every once in a while. And then you had your trio and that trio has just kind of fallen apart. I think it will come back together eventually, but that is a major concern I have about this team now because like you said, Jill Wilson's not scoring 30 a game the rest of the season. I mean, he's average. I mean, he's got to be. I don't even have a check. He's got to be way over twenty points a game at this point in his average because of these two games. But <laughs> you you do need to get that offense sorted out and balanced. Mm-hmm. And until you do, you're going to keep losing to really good teams in the Big Twelve. I'm just not that concerned. This is less about how. Like, I'm just not really that concerned about their offense. It's just a bad week. It's a tough. It's a tough week to have a bad week. Yeah, because they were. I mean, this is still a team that has wins over Duke, Wisconsin, Seton Hall, Indiana, and Iowa State this year. Um, so, like, they're going to be fine. It's just um, a tough. It, it just it made it clear, like how like it, how it needs to go back to the way it was, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. That they they just don't quite have enough offensively if if this continues, yeah, as we go forward. But Kansas has the benefit of the doubt when it comes to figuring out how to be as good as possible when March comes around. They just, they just get that. They get, they have that luxury in my mind. So maybe more than any other program in the country. Maybe so. Maybe so. It's that team more than any team. We look up, it's like, man, I really don't want to play Kansas. No Mm -hmm. matter what their season has looked like. Yep. um, That seems, it seems to be that way. So uh, winners and losers every week, every Monday uh, through the college basketball season up until selection Sunday. Okay. Top five national title contenders from five to one in terms of confidence. If you had five slots to pick national title winners, what would you go with? Um, I have mine in descending order. Is that how you have yours? Yeah, let's do it that way. Okay. 
Um, starting at number five, um, just because we have been talking about this team, Kansas is number five on my list. Um, there can't not be a Big 12 team on this list. Correct. And with all due respect to Jerome Tang, I mean, it's still Kansas State in Jerome Tang's first year. And with all due respect to how great of a job he's done, Kansas State is fifth in the AP poll this week. It's still Kansas State. And until they do it, I'm not saying that they can't, but we saw TC, we saw Kansas State's margin for error get really small when guys not named Marquise Noel and Keontae Johnson are not contributing. And I will just I still I'm not quite there with with Kansas State. Yes, they're spectacular. Yes, they had a really good week. Yes, they're up to five in the AP poll. Um, but still concerned just because for the for the reason that Kansas is on the list is the same reason that Kansas State is not on this list. Um, like I said earlier, they're still the highest rated Big 12 team at Kempom. They still, for my money, have the best player in the Big 12. Um, and they still have Bill Self. So um, I have faith in the Jayhawks to, I guess I'll put it this way. I expect on Selection Sunday to feel the best about Kansas ahead of any team in the Big 12 when it comes to who I'm picking as a national title contender. And for me, that's that's good enough to to put them on the list ahead of the other you know two or three teams that you might consider uh, putting on this list. Yeah, uh, this is a very different conversation than Big 12 regular season championship hopes, right? Sure, sure. Because we can have that conversation. I feel very different about Kansas State in that conversation. This is getting real, and other teams keep losing, and they don't. Whether they lose, you know, four games in the second half of conference play and end up third of the Big 12, or whether they win the conference outright does not change my view one bit on Kansas State heading into the NCAA tournament. Unless everything falls apart and I don't expect it to, which is where I'm with you that I, of course, the thought crossed my mind because Kansas State has been one of the best teams in the country this season, but I did not for a second seriously consider making them one of my five teams. I I need, I'm right there with you. I need to see it. We need to see it from this group of players. It's just a different, different conversation. Kansas would probably be six for me. I do not have Kansas on my list. So you have a Big 12 team on your list. <laughs> Correct. I can't believe you put TCU on this list. I cannot I did not. believe it. You put Iowa State on this list? Nope. Okay, you put Texas on this list. Yes. Okay. That's That might be a little crazy too, but okay. This that's, is that's my... Bad. I'm really glad you didn't put TCU on this list. No. TCU does not belong in this list. No, no. Thank goodness. I'm very... Well, Well, you plant your flag in a team every year, <laughs> and, you, and you find a way to add them to lists they shouldn't be on. So I wouldn't have been surprised if TCU made your list. I feel like I'm very reasonable about the teams that I pick. <laughs> I just get excited when they're actually good. I don't need to. I don't need to trick myself into believing they're good. I just am optimistic about it. Fair I enough. feel like that's different. Uh, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of went back and forth with Texas and Kansas, so we can kind of put them in conversation because one of the the notes I have here is feels like there needs to be a Big Twelve team in here. Yeah, this conference has been too good in the NCAA tournament the past two seasons, and arguably, if you want to, you know, talk about what Kansas did three seasons ago before the tournament didn't happen, that somebody has to. You're not doing a good job predicting national champions if one of your five teams is it from this conference. Mm-hmm. Are I they am, fifth on your list, or are they somewhere yes. else? No, okay, Texas gotcha. is fifth. Yeah, gotcha. Okay. 
I am I am getting to a point where I feel like Kansas and again, we're gonna see in this next stretch of games if they can turn this thing around and start you know looking like far and away the best team in the conference and get themselves right back into where you look up and oh it's Kansas's conference to lose again. I am I am getting a little bit worried and quietly Kansas just hasn't played very well in Big 12 play. Right, even the wins they had, most of them were close. Surviving Oklahoma, surviving Iowa State. Now, that is also what Kansas could, does every single season. And I could say the exact same thing about Texas. Sure. It and that's part of the reality of the Big 12. I just feel like now having this ex, these extra data points that Kansas may have gotten a little bit overhyped and they're really more like the eighth best, seventh, eighth best team in the country than the third best team. Now, I'm not really going to sit here and argue and say that the I feel like these five teams are better because I have some real questions about all of them. <laughs> Why I went with Texas outside of the, and just the, the concerns we've talked about Kansas in terms of figuring out how to get the scoring back organized. And lack of size on the the interiors, another part of it. I just cannot get over how much I love Texas's upside on both ends of the floor if they can start playing elite defense again. Because they are right in the ballpark of where you have to be defensively, right? We've talked about this to be a national champ qualifies a national champion, basically. Mm-hmm. They're they're right there. I think they're just on the outside of where that Baylor team was. So they gotta be a little bit better in order to theoretically, according to Ken Palm defensive metrics qualified to be a national champion. But if they mm-hmm. pick it up a little bit, they're right there. And the you know, you have two guards who are two of the best in the country. You have four, five, six guys that can give you double digits on any single game. You've got freshmen who are going to keep getting better. I just am not give and and they've been good, maybe not great, but good since the whole Chris Beard thing has gone down maybe not quite as good as you would have hoped, but this is also just a really difficult conference. I'm not giving up on Texas. I still, from a formula standpoint, what I want in a team, they might fit it better than any team in the country. And so I wanted them on my list. Texas is filled with a bunch of guys who still haven't won at a high level in college basketball. That is true. I mean, Mm -hmm. They're 16 and three through 19 games. So I guess in that sense, they have won at a high level, but these are all guys who left programs that weren't winning at a level that they were satisfied with. And last year they, they won a tournament game, but that was it. And that will, that will continue to be right. They're there. All of these big 12 teams are kind of in the same conversation at the top of that conference. And none of them are better than Kansas to an extent that I'm putting them on this list ahead of Kansas because at the end of the day, it's a Texas team that has not, you know, nobody on this, on this team has made it past the first weekend of the NCAA tournament. They have a different coach. There are just a lot of things to count on that. I, that are abstract because they haven't happened before. Mm -hmm that I don't have to bet on when it comes to Kansas. And I guess that's the difference because I mean, Texas was in the conversation here for me. I just, I, I I would just lean on the team that's been there before. And the final tiebreaker for me to kind of push back on that. Generally, I agree with that philosophy. We talk about this all the time. I'm right there with you. 
I probably honestly would have Candace on this list if Candace wasn't the defending national champions. You know how big I am mm-hmm. on that and the amount of things that have to go right for you to repeat. That's part of this for me too. But they're they're neck and neck. If you gave me six, I'm probably taking Kansas as my sixth team. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Uh, all right. Moving forward. Fourth on your list. UCLA. Man, I really hope this isn't as boring as it's shaping up to be. That's who's fourth on my list as well. Okay. Yeah, we'll get to an interesting conversation about the the other three. Uh, first, to your point about Kansas. Now, these guys haven't won national championships, but right, there are still guys who have been there and done this before, who have played in mm-hmm. the Final Four, who have had NCAA tournament success, and a coach who knows how to navigate the NCAA tournament. That's a big plus. And from a formula standpoint, in terms of what it takes to win a national championship, kind of like I was talking about with Texas, guard play, really good. Mm-hmm. Maybe not going to blow you away, right? Tiger, Tiger Campbell is not going to win you games necessarily, but in terms of guys who you feel good about having the ball in their hands and making decisions, he's right up there at the top of top of the list. Sure. And that's really important. Second, terrific defensively. And third, the other thing I like about this team is similar to that final 14, they've got multiple ways to win, right? They can lock you down defensively and beat you 60 to 59. They can also score 85 points if they need to, if things go right offensively. They do have the ability to kind of morph into what they need to be. They have guys who can go score 25, 30 points a game. They have difference makers on offense, guys who can create their own shot, that kind of thing. And so I I really like the setup of this team. And they're just, you know, looking around, there just weren't many teams I felt better about than UCLA. So they're fourth for me. Yeah, they're, they're just kind of quietly moving along with the stronghold on the Pac-12, yeah. despite the fact that Amari Bailey hasn't played in 2023. Um, and, you know, they lost to Arizona. I'm just not worried about that. Yeah, that was their first loss since November yeah. 20th. Um, their freshmen have been what they needed to be when they've been healthy. I mean, Adam Bona has been really solid from an efficiency standpoint. He's top 50 in the country and block percentage uh, Jaime Jaquez is probably the best two-way player in the country. Um, you know how I feel about Tiger Campbell and guard play in general. They, they're they a little stale offensively at times, especially without Amari Bailey. There's just a little bit of a, I guess maybe creativity is the word um, when it comes to that offense without a guy like Amari Bailey. I guess that would be, the one thing that that I can point mm-hmm. towards, but there's enough elsewhere. The other thing is that right, they have six really good players. Yep, uh, and then the the depth drops off pretty quickly after that, which is why, which is part of the reason I'm impressed it took them as long to lose as it did, even without Amari Bailey, because basically they've been playing with with five real players, and they found a way. I mean, in, in, yes, they lost Arizona, but they lost on the road by six to a team that is number six in the AP poll this week. So that's just not to your point, not that's just not a, that's just not a concern for me. Um, Bone has been good. Like I said, Jalen Clark has been great. Uh, I think he's kind of been one of the, one of the relative to expectations, just like one of the better, one of the better players in the country from Mm -hmm. a, from a productivity perspective. Um, So that's, so that's great for, for Mick Cronin and company, but 
they don't have a ton of holes when they're healthy. And even though they're kind of quietly going about their business, even though am I a little nervous that they've basically lost the three games against the three best teams that they've played this season? Yeah, I'm a little nervous about that. But when I'm going to poke holes, I'm I'm not I'm not too too concerned uh, uh, about the Bruins at this point. So and they two, are also fourth for me. And two of those were early. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So eighteenth yeah. and twentieth of November. Right. Let's. I, and I believe that was the the Vegas tournament where there were four teams yeah. and somebody had to lose twice. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I believe. Yep. Yeah. Both were on a neutral. Yep. To Illinois by nine to Baylor by five. Yep. So close games relatively yeah. speaking and for a team with that you know freshmen who are that important i yeah i, I don't feel great about it <laughs> but i no. have more confidence in them than most teams number three houston gosh this is so boring <laughs> gosh i hope we have the the first two teams mixed up because maybe we do well, well i look i really hope you have these two teams I'm gonna be I'm gonna be upset with you if you don't have the the last two teams. Um, yeah, th- Houston is third for me as well. Um, 14th in offensive efficiency as of today, second in defensive efficiency. So those kind of arbitrary cutoff numbers that we look at for defensive for for efficiency and analytics uh, when it comes to national title contenders, um, Houston has it. Um, they're on the list because consistency coaching and guard play and the track record that they have to back it up um, as of late. Uh, at least that's why they're there for me. Um, they are subject to a big time stinker every once in a while, right? They lost to temple yep. scored 55. They have wins this season in which they scored 53 and 49 points mm-hmm. against St. Mary's and Kent state. So does that make me nervous? A hundred percent. But I've also had those things to say about Houston in the past, and they find a way to get to the Elite Eight Final Four anyways. So it's kind of – the boat has kind of sailed on on that being a real reason that I won't pick Houston to be a national title contender. But nonetheless, it it is a, a reason for, for hesitation is that they can – I mean, if it, let me put it this way. If they had lost those two games to Kent State and St. Mary's – instead of winning them, like if they'd have lost 50 to 49, instead of winning 49 to 44, or whatever that score was against Kent state, um, then maybe the conversation was a little different, but they've at least in the regular season, have found ways to, to win those games when they really can't get anything going offensively. There's a difference between national title contender, national title favorite. Sure. Fundamentally, I will never view Houston. I mean, I guess by definition, cause they're third on my list. They're a favorite. Mm-hmm. But fundamentally, I have, I have, I don't have to to your point. I don't have concerns about Houston's ability to make the Final Four. I have Houston's ability concerns about Houston's ability to win six consecutive games against really good basketball teams that they don't necessarily see in the AAC mm-hmm. to win a national championship. Sure, because one of those games you're probably not going to play very well offensively, or Marcus Sasser is going to get in foul trouble. Marcus Sasser is going to have a bad game. Something is going to go wrong. They absolutely can win that game. It's a question of, right, okay, if you get that in the round of 32, I expect them to be able to win that game because they're just better than whoever they're playing because they're going to be a one seed or a two seed. You get it in the Elite Eight, the Final Four, now you're talking about something different. 
I have two other well, so going on to that concern first before my other one. Right, there are just times this I mean, they shot the three ball, it kind of tailed off at the end of this temple game, but they shot the three ball fine. The problem was they couldn't make shots from anywhere inside the arc, free throw line or otherwise. <laughs> That's that is a thing that can happen to this team. The other concern I have, and why I did not consider putting them any higher. I am also worried about the ability of specific teams to take them out of their element. And one of those teams is higher on my list than Houston. I feel like if they get the wrong matchup, they can get exposed because they just, there are only, you know, five teams in the country that have the kind of personnel to do that. Maybe not even five. Maybe I'm being generous there. But if they get the wrong matchup, to me, part of how I'm going to feel about Houston heading into the NCAA tournament is what that bracket actually looks like and what their path would be. That is going to be more important for me for Houston than some other teams. That's the final thing I'll throw out there. Yeah. And I think, and and I, I think I know which team you're alluding to. And if things go the way that they're, that frankly they should for Houston the rest of the way in the AAC and the way that they should go for that team that you're alluding to, there's a pretty good chance they end up on the same seed line. and wouldn't have to see each other until the final four anyways. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, um, and and maybe I'm thinking about the wrong team, but no, I, no, I would I would agree with that, and that that's my point is I don't have my question is can Houston avoid having something catastrophic happen and then play well enough to win the games against the other you know eight best teams in the country once you get to an elite eight a final four those get over those final hurdles because that's where they've fallen short right mm-hmm. there's been elite eights and final fours it's not like they get upset in the first round. But they haven't been able to put back-to-back, back-to-back-to-back wins over the best teams in the country together. That's the part I still am not convinced can happen. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, they're third on my list as well in case that in case that wasn't clear. Second. Alabama. Okay. that's Is that the team you were alluding to? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's what I thought. They have won every single SEC game they've played by double digits. <laughs> Yeah, we just kind of pop in when they do something really impressive or Brandon Miller does what he did against Gonzaga and kind of go, oh, look at how, you know, look at what they're able to do, this high ceiling thing. They're Mm -hmm. just handling everybody. And the three-pointer is still, again, this is where I have have a fundamental concern still, which is the reliance on the three-pointer. However, as we've talked about, they're actually shooting it okay this season, so it's not as big of a worry. Mm -hmm. And having Brandon Miller... (laughs) helps with that because he can just go get you buckets. And when you're that good defensively, it also allows for a larger margin of error. What I love about this Alabama team is what they can do to bother other teams, both on the perimeter with all that length, right? Just all those bodies and the wingspan they throw at you, whether it's Bradley Miller, whoever it might be. And the existence of Charles Bediaco to allow you to do things like they did with Sheboy and play one-on-one with the best bigs in the country. Defensively, they just cause, to me, they cause more headaches from a matchup standpoint than anybody in the country. That doesn't mean they're the best defensive team. I would give that honor to Tennessee. But trying to figure out how to score on them and trying to figure out how to, more specifically, how to run your offense against them and impose your will on them. I want no part of this team because they can, they are equipped to deal with just about any kind of offense that gets thrown their way. 
I'm I'm becoming a believer that this is <laughs> that I need to just stop worrying about the three pointer because everything else is so good and it's not like they're a bad three point shooting team anymore. They just kind of keep scoring seventy eight to ninety mm-hmm. points, regardless of when of, of how they shoot the ball from from the three point line. Um, you know they've had, I mean. They had their fourth worst three point shooting performance of the season on Saturday, like at on the road at Missouri. They were ten of thirty five from the three point line. That's twenty eight percent, and they beat a quality Missouri team by twenty one. Yeah. <laughs> um, and maybe at some point, but like against UConn, one of the, the games that they've lost, they were thirty seven percent from three from the three-point line. And the only other game they lost was to Gonzaga on a night that Gonzaga could have beaten the freaking Warriors. Like, they would they just, it was just one of those nights. They scored 90, mm-hmm. but Gonzaga scored 100. It just, yeah. like, they just weren't going to win the basketball game. That's fine. Those things happen. But, um, yeah, you know, Alabama would be number one if the team that's number one wasn't number one. Does that make sense? Is that fair? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um at least, I mean, I sure hope that this basketball team made your list. I'm going to be really sad if they didn't. Um, I came but, real close to putting Alabama number one. I'll tell you that. And, 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 and you know, Purdue gets bad. Purdue gets an, an, a shockingly bad rep for the fact, you know, considering they win multiple games in the tournament over and over and over and over and over again. Um, and I'll and I'll lay out more in, in a moment why – Purdue is number one for me over Alabama. But this Bama team, I'm I'm much less concerned yep. about Alabama not surviving a bad uh, about Alabama not surviving a bad shooting night. Mm-hmm. Um partly because I th- just think this is a team that's even better than the team that finished ninth at Kim Palm two years ago and finished 27 and six, 26 and seven. Excuse oh, me. no question. This no team's question. better than that team. Oh, yeah. Um, they lost to UCLA in that tournament as a two seed. And this is a better team. So from that perspective, I mean, it only, it only makes sense for them to be as high as they are um, on this list. And Maybe maybe at some point they'll get a bad shooting night, but it seems like at this point, I mean, they've had one truly bad shooting night since November 7th. I mean, at some point you just are what you are in a positive way in the same way you are you, what you are in negative ways as well. Mm-hmm. And and maybe they'll go on a bad streak, but when when you play defense the way that you do that they do when you have a guy like Brandon Miller like they do and like 125th in the country and 34.6% as a team is is like is good enough. Yeah. It just is. And, and and to your other points as well, they've got um a real force in Charles Bediaco in the middle, um good guard play outside of Brandon Miller and um and yeah, they're really really good. I mean, Javon Quinterly is, you know, right, he's dealt with injuries, but we talked about Javon Quinterly a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. I mean, that guy is that guy's playing 38% of Alabama's minutes. That's just, I mean, like, that's a good basketball team. Javon Quinterly is a reliable and good college basketball player and, right, some extenuating circumstances. But, 
you got to have a really good team for him to not crack back into the rotation in a bigger way than he has since he came back. Yep. Final thing I'll say on the three-point shooting. All Alabama needs to do is avoid having absolute stinkers, right? They don't have to – it's not that they are built where they have to shoot the three really well to win because of all the reasons we've been talking about. As long as they can get to, right, 30 32%, which they have done all season basically, they're going to be fine. They don't need to be shooting 38%. The worry is just they take so many of them, regardless of whether they make them or not, that right there's always the chance that they end up 8 of 37 or something because it's not going to be 4 of – or two. it's not going to be 2 of 11. Sure. Right. Fundamentally, that's just not how they play. So as long as you can avoid that game or get it out of your system before the NCAA tournament, that's the one concern I have. Relative to everybody else, though, that is a very minor concern because they can win that game. That's just about the only way that I can point to as as to why they're going to not live up to expectations in the NCAA tournament. The last thing I'll add is, you know, there's a team that's fourth in tempo at Kempom and usually a team that's fifth in defensive efficiency and fourth in tempo turns the people over a lot. And Alabama does not turn people over a lot. They're 328th in the country in defensive turnover percentage, mm-hmm. and they're 250th in taking care of the basketball themselves. So, and and when you play up tempo and you have a tendency to turn the ball over sometimes, but your defense isn't doesn't really have as much of a tendency to turn other people over, then then that can be if you add that to like a bad shooting night then things could get dicey. But again, like I said, all of these things we've laid out, it hasn't really seemed to matter so far, which is the difference between, because you could point to, at you know, even that team that finished, that was a two seed. By this point, we had several. Exactly. We had several examples yep. of that, of how that was going to be an issue in the tournament. And we just don't, we don't really have that this year. Right. Well said. Is Purdue number one on your list? Yes. Okay. Um, why? First of all, they're, you know, just sitting there with one loss mm-hmm. <laughs> and nobody else is mm-hmm. in terms of teams you would consider national title contenders. Sure. You don't consider Florida Atlantic out of the out of conference USA a national title contender? I mean, hey. Just get in there, get into March. Anything can happen, baby. (laughs) The first thing is, unlike Purdue teams of the past, this defense is really, really good. Mm -hmm. More than good enough to actually meet the qualifications, which we've been screaming about with Purdue for years, Mm -hmm. specifically last season. And while I don't love the makeup of this roster in terms of, and I'm curious how how you're going to handle this part of it, in terms of, how it's constructed and the way I want my national title and the way, the way I want my team constructed and the way national championship teams usually are constructed. Zach Eady is just so tall and so good. And I have enough faith in the guards that I'm not too worried about it. I feel pretty comfortable. I feel like Edie is different than it being Oscar Sheboy because of his passing, because of the, the way that he just, completely changes the way you have to game plan or he just eats you alive because he hits, you know, hook shot after hook shot 
because there is nobody who can guard him because he's seven foot four. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you have somebody who's running the offense that Matt Painter trusts, that I trust, that you trust, as if our opinions matter every bit as much as Matt Painter's. <laughs> You're damn right they do. <laughs> but this idea of even if I would love to not be so reliant on two freshman guards, the freshman guards have been awfully good and they put their teammates in good positions and they shoot the ball well. So I'm with, I'm with you that I don't have worries about past NCAA tournament performances for Purdue. My worry was always, they are just not built from an analytical standpoint from what they do well and what they don't to win a national championship. This mm-hmm. team is. I got a couple things. Uh, one, Zachy, we, we're beating around the bush here. Zachy is the best basketball player in the country. Yeah, that too. <laughs> That's something that Purdue has never had. Yep. I mean, like maybe you could have had, made a conversation for Carson Edwards. But like that's a team that with like f- three seconds left, the ball was on the other end of the court and Purdue was going to a national or to the final four. Mm-hmm. Right. That's how close Purdue came to a final four. The last and, time that Purdue had an argument for the best player yep. in the country. I know. I mean, that was a game against the, the national champions. Right. right. Saying the event- they were that close to the final four might even be a disservice. Right. Right. Exactly. I mean, they might've been that close to a national championship right. for all we know. Right. Um, and that Purdue team was 34th at Kempom defensively. They're 17th right now. They finished fourth in offense. Where's Purdue offensively right now? Three? Fourth. Fourth. They're, they're fourth. <laughs> um, so that's that's number one. I, you know what I like my college basketball teams having? The best player in college basketball. I like my college basketball teams having that. Um, that's that's one. Um, two... Like I like there's plenty of talk about like like would you love for your the best player in college basketball to be like a six six perimeter guy? Sure. But and I just I'm just not sure there's a team in the country I have more faith in getting a good shot when they absolutely have to have it than Purdue. Yep. Because your options are and, and, and the other part of this is that Purdue's 233rd in the country in three-point field goal percentage. That's crazy. Do you consider Purdue a sub-200 three-point shooting team? No, and historically, they've I feel like they've always been top 50. Right. And Matt Painter believes that too. And the makeup of that roster suggests that that's, that that's true, right? Um, now, they don't relative uh, right their style is not taking a bunch of three-pointers right. because zach ed is the best player on their team so why would it be yeah but like your options when and and i go back to the to the play they ran at the end of the michigan state game that like we talked about but they, they, you know not we in the post-game press conference matt painter said i mean we went to zach ed because he's zach ed and Michigan State decided that they were going to let that guy shoot 30 times and not double him and force him to score enough to win the basketball game. And they stuck with that on the final possession. So your options against Purdue on defense are either you double and triple team the 7-4 guy who Matt Painter can't say enough about his decision-making and passing when those yep. things happen, or you can let... You, your poor big guy who's who's drawn the the assignment to go one on one with the seven four guy that's averaging I don't even know what he's averaging I don't know the the averages off the top of my head but it's got it's like twenty four and thirteen 
Like it, it's it's absolutely preposterous. I'm gonna look it up here as I'm as I'm talking, but like that is a unbelievably solid foundation to start with. And normally I'm like like and it's different than Drew Timmy. It just is because he's seven four right. and he can he doesn't get into foul trouble and he can play thirty three minutes a game. Like it's not like he's a seven four guy that has no stamina. Matt Painter's huge on that as well. Um, 21 and a half and 13 with two, uh, two and a half blocks a game. Anyways. Um, and, and averaging 1.5 personal fouls per game, by the way, he's never in foul trouble. Wow. Never in foul trouble. Yeah. Um, so I like all of the, and, and he shoots 75% from the free throw line, yep. by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a big part of this as well. There isn't very many, there aren't very many teams, if any, that I am more confident in the foundation of their offense than Purdue's because they have guys that can shoot around them. Braden Smith makes a lot of really good decisions with the basketball in his hands. And Fletcher Lawyer, that dude's a dog. That dude wants the ball when the the lights are brightest, right? I mean, he's a freshman who will go on the road and have a crappy first half and then go off in the second half. How many freshmen ever? have done that yeah if anything it's they get a couple of good looks early in the game and they start to go downhill after that as the game gets tougher Fletcher Lawyer is the other way around Mm -hmm. and at the end of the day Matt Painter is the best coach in the country for my money if I wanted to start a program right now Matt Painter is the coach that I would pick to run that basketball program they have the best player in the country and they have good guard play and more importantly guards that want the ball when when it comes down to it and they're 19 and 1 and they no matter how ugly it gets in the second half and no matter how that there is not a Purdue team that finds way to, ways to win basketball games the way that this one does cuz at some point even if some of the wins are ugly they keep finding ways to win basketball games and at some point that at some point that has to matter, even if even if sometimes the wins are ugly and they have the kind of second halves they had against Maryland. But I am I'm all in. I think that 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 people coming up with the with quote unquote glaring holes that Purdue has are trying too hard. I just think that they are. They've got the best player in the country and for my money, the best coach in the country. And that's good enough for me. <laughs> And it's, and it also goes to the looking at everybody else, right? Right, that too. And the teams that we laid out, okay, a couple of them got into Final Fours. You have Kansas on that list. All I know is I'm taking Purdue 99 times out of 100 if those two teams play. Because mm-hmm. Kansas doesn't have any size. <laughs> and that's assuming Kansas actually gets you know all of the the issues they're dealing with right now figured out alabama also hasn't been there i mean some ncaa tournament success nate oates has had ncaa tournament success generally Mm -hmm. but again it's you know winning three four games not six there just isn't anybody that scares me so all of that being equal yeah i'll take the seven foot four behemoth coached by coached by matt painter who's on the what's been arguably, if not definitively, the most consistent team in the country. Mm-hmm. I just don't need it to be that much more difficult. Um, for what it's worth, the team that I'd be most concerned with is Alabama. 
Um, I think yeah. Ethan oh, Morton yeah. is. I think Ethan Morton is 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 the epitome of a of a college basketball player that has just found his niche on a really good basketball team. He's the he's um, the next Purdue guy. He's the like like, and he's capable of guarding the best player on the other team. Has shown it all year. I would be a little bit concerned about the okay, who in the world who in the world guards Brandon Miller? Yep. I mean, what, when like Alabama has Caleb, an answer to that question of Zach Eady, now whether it works or not is a different conversation. But again, sure. Mediaco is the kind of guy you can leave one on one. In theory, yeah, in theory, and at least give um, it a shot. <laughs> right, at least they at least they have the answer to that question. Yes, and and most teams are just like, we don't have the answer to that. Correct. Question. Yeah. Um, and so so that would be the team that would that would scare me the most. Agreed. But, um, but like, still, it it doesn't scare me enough to put to put Alabama at the top of this list. But, um, and I just like I love and and for what it's worth, I'm I'm such a big fan of the way that Matt Painter runs his program in the in, in 2023 when nobody else is running their program that way. It's so it's so refreshing, and and I'm not here to you know. I'm not here to talk about NIL and I'm not here to talk about, you know, cause I'm sure like behind closed doors, Matt Painter would like for Purdue's NIL program to be a little bit stronger than it is. Like I, that wouldn't surprise me, but he's consistent about how he doesn't give a darn about rankings. I mean, and he's proven it with the two guys that he went and got and are the second and third most important players on his basketball team um, for the number one in the AP poll this week, basketball team, yep. by the way. And look at Jack um, Eady too. Right. Exactly. Um, I, I find it super refreshing. Um, and and, and I, it, that doesn't really matter for this conversation. But for me, it always it, it leaks into every conversation I have about sports. It just does. And and this is no this is no exception. So I, I like I enjoy Purdue being a national title <laughs> contender. I think it's really fun um, when everybody else on this list, you know, in, you know, maybe not everybody else in this list, but because UCLA has a team built by a lot of guys that have been there for a while, but they also have some five-star freshmen yep. and same with Purdue Houston. doesn't have that. And same with Houston, right? Um, High level freshmen veterans. Yep. Right. And, uh, and Purdue's turned their, 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 you know, their, their quality freshmen, but not their tippity top of the iceberg in terms of recruiting freshmen into some of the most consistent and most reliable freshmen in the country. And that's just cool. So I'm here for that as well. Imagine if they would have landed Tyrese Hunter on top of all this. I know, right? <laughs> I know, right? I'm almost Man. like, like, like is in hindsight, 2020, do you kind of have to be glad they didn't? <laughs> it's a very interesting conversation. Yeah. Of sure. How would, how would that have impacted development? Would it have impacted development? Right. Would it have just been a more expansive rotation where it really, you know, maybe Fletcher Lawyer like and three-headed three monster kind of right, thing? Right, where they don't get as many minutes, but it's fine, and you've got one of the best defensive guards in the country. It is yeah. – it's a fascinating conversation, though, because they were in For that sure. list. I remember talking my, to my friend who's a Purdue fan. I texted him. I said, the, the only team in the vicinity of where Tyrese Hunter is from that is on his list is Purdue. I don't know mm-hmm. if that means anything, but it's at least an interesting – reason to be optimistic and of course he yeah. went from wisconsin where he's from to texas instead but and and i certainly had a lot to do with that i would think 
it, it is kind of interesting to think about how good they and again yeah maybe it's all for the best that this is the best version Purdue could have had even if Tyrese Hunter was wanting to go there we'll never know yep. the answer to that it's just fascinating to think about they could have had that guy too potentially for sure for sure number one in the AP poll number one on both of our lists um, and in very Jays for Days podcast fashion, we have basically the exact same list, but that's okay. Um, if you've been around the podcast, you know that that's a pretty common occurrence around these parts. You got anything else? I will say I'm surprised you didn't have Tennessee on yours. Tennessee is outside of my Tennessee is outside of my. You can't be that bad at offensive tolerance level. National, yeah, <laughs> um, I mean right now. It's the same reason that Gonzaga, I never even considered Gonzaga, right? Because like part of me is like, of course, Gonzaga is a national title contender. You know what Gonzaga, where Gonzaga's at at Kempom defensively right now? Oh, yeah, it's bad. 90th. Yeah. That's just and not good enough. That, and Tennessee, last week didn't go well for them either. <laughs> and Tennessee is 31st. And it kind of just feels like Tennessee is 31st because they started the season like fourth more than they're actually like the 31st best best offense in the country. That's just kind of how it feels. And, you know, I, so that, so that's the reason why. And also like, if I'm going to give Kentucky crap for one of their most important players being five, nine, I can't not, I mean, like that would be one of the reasons that I wouldn't like Kentucky can afford to have their best lineup not include severe wheeler like the metrics suggest that he's not in the right. best lineup right um zakai ziegler is absolutely in all of tennessee's best lineups mm-hmm. and that's just that's tough to overcome it just is um unless your team's as good as the kentucky teams that were you know spearheaded by tyler Ulis. and this tennessee team is not that they're elite defensively they're really fun to watch play defense <laughs> but um but the short answer is right i like the way you put that my offensive tolerance does not stretch that far yeah i thought they might have snuck in at five or would have been in the six seven for you because i think they you're would, a little you're a little bit more tolerant of that than i am they are they would have been in the couple of teams after okay and like it might have been closer if i just felt like it was would have been a disservice to the big 12 if there wasn't a team sure Mm-hmm. Um, because I didn't really even like kind of break down their case for fifth because it was really breaking down the cases for fifth between the four <laughs> big 12 teams yeah. that had mm-hmm. a case for fifth. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that's, that's mostly why they are, they're not on my list. Fair enough. I don't, I don't want to play them. That's for sure. But at some point I just think they're going to run into a team that makes just enough shots to mm-hmm. beat them. Yep. So um, and that'll be before the final four if I was betting on it. So that's all I've got. You got anything else? That's all I've got. Please subscribe to the Jays for Days podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Jays for Days Pod. Check out the YouTube, Twitter, TikTok, um, bite sized content on the YouTube, bite size, fun sized content on the TikTok. <laughs> Um, you can get the full podcast in video form if you'd like on the YouTube channel as well. And um, we'll be back on Thursday. What we're going to talk about, I don't know. We'll figure it out before then. And uh, we'll talk to you again on Thursday. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of the Jays for Days podcast. I'm Josh. He's Josh. And we'll see you 